Stand by. Hello and welcome to the Lackadaisical Libricubicularist. And now your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the Liberal Cube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical Liberal Cubicularist. Today, within the Liberal Cube, my friends, ah, uh, is Internet Day. Yes. The most lovely of podcasts ta- talk about the internet called the Lackadaisical Liberal Cubicularist Podcast. The most lovely of those. I have viewed, listened, and read a plethora, a cornucopia even, of stuffs from the interwebs and brought back for you the funniest and most educational of them. How about that for an idea? Uh, I will say, as I do every Fry Internet Day, that I don't give spoiler warnings on Fry Internet Days, because it doesn't make sense to do so. But I also say that, which is in itself a bit of a spoiler. Another thing I like to say is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. No! That is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend. Perhaps you rate, subscribe, and com- subscribe and comment on the old iTunes, because that is what helps podcasts grow. Thank you for those who have done that already. Very, very much appreciate that. Your gift of good karma is on its way. For those of you who have not yet done that, thank you in in advance, because I know you will do that, because you are good people. You're good people. It's nice to be nice to the nice. Hmm? Yes. Something uh, I try to say, basically just on internet days, because it kind of sort of, kind of sort of goes a little hand-to-hand, is that the podcast, meaning this one, has an Android app. Yes, there's an app for that. Um, for this, I mean, uh, available for free in the Google Play Store. Uh, I hope you enjoy. It's basically the the people who host the podcast, the good people over at Podbean. Uh, you pay for a subscription, a yearly subscription, for them to host your your podcast. And at a certain level, they also throw in for you an Android app. <laughs> How about that? Pretty nice of them. Pretty, pretty good. If you, like me, are on a iDevice and are listening through that, uh, there's tons of ways you can do so. Ways such as iTunes, the podcast app, that's probably the most common if I had to guess. However, if you go to the Podbean site, they have created a mobile version of it, which uh, is updated, I believe, daily, and uh, is pretty handy for keeping shit in order. Lovely. Okay, last piece of podcast-related business before we hop into the internets is, of course, today's sponsor. Very special sponsor today because I have traveled into the future and brought this one back. Today's sponsor is the PlayStation 44. The PlayStation 44. Once again, today's sponsor is the PlayStation 44. Combines... The look and functionality of your smartphone, along with storing all of your games, your game saves, uh, once a day will update and sync with the cloud. 
will wirelessly play on any television or smart glass. Will play even over your Google Glass. And so you do not have to carry around a controller as well. It will project a hard light PlayStation controller into your hands. The PlayStation 44. Okay, so item the first is rather, I guess, a series of items. Um, Adam Sessler and the good people over at Revision 3 are sort of gearing up for E3. So uh, I've brought back some of that and some of your other videos they have up because uh, I watch them every week. I don't bring them back every week, but I thought this was a good time to do. And I may do it next week as well, just if sort of cool things pop up from their E3 coverage. I may bring it back as well. That could, uh, I, I suppose that could also fit in a her Video Games Day episode. Oh, uh, why not? Just on that note, you may have noticed uh, I haven't put up a her Video Games Day in quite a while. Uh, it's just sort of bad timing in the sense that my next two episodes are going to be all DLC episodes, specifically Borderlands 2 DLC and Skyrim DLC. If you are unaware, somehow, DLC stands for Downloadable Content. Uh, I have played through the first DLCs for Borderlands 2, the first three. The fourth one is not available until June 25th. And I thought it wouldn't really make sense for me to bring back three of the four. I didn't like that thought. So I'm just kind of holding that one back. While I am waiting for it to come out, I am playing through the Skyrim DLC. And I'm through the first one. Uh, the one where you get to build your house. Okay? So that's where I am with that. And that's why you haven't seen one in a while. Uh, once the Borderlands uh, Assault, Tiny Tina's Assault on Dragon Keep. I believe it is called. Ooh, if I remembered that, that's pretty present. Uh, as soon as that comes out, I will play it and then review all four at once and then move on to Skyrim. Plan? Plan. I'm really digging this. Let's move back in. Uh, I'm really digging this Revision 3. I was not aware of it until a month or so ago and then saw Adam Sessler on it. And just such a huge, huge, huge Adam Sessler fan that uh, I had to start watching and watch every week. He, if you are unaware, was uh, on the the station G4, had a show called X-Play, and just combination of super, super smart in all things, seemingly, uh, and then with a specialty in video games. So brings his smarts in other areas to his reviews and talks of video games, which I very, very much appreciate appreciate. Uh, also managed at one point, when I first joined Twitter, would tweet at famous people and try to get responses. He was one who was kind enough to respond. Uh, I asked him, I believe, it was something along the lines of, uh, what book would you like to see made into a video game? He said uh, Finnegan's Wake. Oh, I do remember. Wow. I wasn't sure I would remember that. So, uh, I think from the looks of this, I kind of just did a few point forum notes as far as the videos they posted last week. There's a note here, uh, EA, DRM, so uh, Electronic Arts, or EA, as they are called, are sort of known for being bastards. <laughs> they uh, kind of repeatedly, year after year, win the uh, quote-unquote award for worst company. Just, I guess, period? 
worst company period, like not even just within the video game community. They treat their customers poorly and are sort of think of nothing but money. For example, their use of DRM, uh, which stands for, let's see if I can remember that. My memory is working pretty good today. Digital Rights Management? That may or may not be right. I think it might be right. And if it is, the old, the old memory is not too shabby today. Uh, it basically is the thing, the stuff, <laughs> I'll try to be more vague there, that uh, prevents piracy or even so far as what is sort of sparking a lot of anger nowadays, the thought that uh, you will no longer be able to buy used games because uh, once a game is purchased and activated on one uh, Xbox or PlayStation, I think, yeah, so far just Xbox, it will not be able to then be purchased by someone else and then put onto their Xbox. So you cannot share games. And it's through things such as DRM that are making that possibility exist. So it is bad. Also bad, seemingly, is the announcement of the Xbox One. First of all, I don't like that name. Kind of, Kind of stupid. Xbox One, when it is the what what iteration are you in, should not have the the number one in it. Uh, also, <laughs> the thing I do like about the Xbox One is that it's making the PlayStation Four look so so good. If you are unfamiliar with what's happening around the the announcement of the Xbox One, they did something very very foolish and focused all or a very, very high 90% of their energies on everything with the exception of video games. So how it can integrate with your TV, <laughs> that seemed to be the main focus. How you could say, Xbox on, and then it will turn on. Exciting. But very, very little to no talk of actual video games, which had, as you can imagine, video gamers upset. Over at Revision 3, talked quite, quite heavily about this subject, and had some insight, so uh, it'd be interesting for you to listen to it, but also for the people over at Microsoft to listen as well. Maybe get their acting gear. Their sort of their plan, quote unquote, was to focus their first announcement of the Xbox One on everything except video games, and then uh, as E3 approaches and happens, talk more about video games. They all sat around uh, Adam Sessler and, uh, I didn't write down their names, and talked about their expectations of this year's E3 and how it's going to be a pretty exciting one, what with uh, the Xbox One, the PlayStation 4, Wii U is already out, but perhaps they will have actual games to announce, maybe? I mm. think uh, there's not a lot of games coming out for it. Okay, so let's move on to just sort of my last final Revision 3 note is they reviewed the video game uh, The Last of Us. Or sorry, I think it's just called Last of Us. Adam Sessler reviewed and pointed out that it is sort of the PlayStation 3's swan song, sort of its last big title game to come out most likely, I guess, in this console generation. So that's kind of kind of sad, because the PlayStation doesn't seem to me like it's been out for a crazy long time. I guess it has. 
I'm on my second one, just because I had one die on me. This game, Last of Us, I think is going to be a game I have to get, especially after listening to Adam Sessler talk about it. He just sort of points out that this sort of takes a leap in video game storytelling and is one of the most amazing games he's ever played and unlike anything he has ever played. So, there you go. Try that. Or or rather, don't don't go out and buy it right away. Uh, watch this review. Adam Sessler, Revision 3, Last of Us Review. Highly recommend it for two reasons. To see if this game will be up your alley, and I hope it will be, and you're not just one of those plays nothing but sports and Call of Duty games. Peoples. Because there's such a wide, wide variety of games you're missing out on if you do that. Uh, and also, because then you could see Adam Sessler in action doing what he does best. Lovely. Okay, let's uh, move on to... Uh, I want to get one more in before I get to work. A episode of Kevin Pollock's Chat Show. Yes! Uh, every time I bring up Kevin Pollock's Chat Show, as I will right now, I mentioned that this is the first podcast I ever uh, listened to slash watched. Episode number one with LeVar Burton, who I just so happen to have got his autograph twice. Hmm, how about that? So uh, that that's what kind of... I, I knew of Kevin Pollock before it, like I recognized him, and I'm sure you will recognize him, but the reason I watched was because I wanted to see an interview with LeVar Burton. But uh, since then... Every time, well, well, I'll, I'll just say I used to watch and listen to every single episode he did. Now I just do it if the guest is someone I care to have vast quantities of knowledge about. Because I will say, out of any single podcast that I listen to, and it is a lot, a vast majority of them are people interviewing other people, but... Kevin Pollack will give you the most in-depth information out of all of them, period. Yeah. In this case, his guest was Peter Farley of the Farley Brothers. Yes, that one. Uh, I think I remember hearing, and it does sort of make sense after seeing him, that he, uh, the dude, the Big Lebowski, was sort of loosely based on him. Why do I seem to recall that? They do kind of look alike and act alike a little bit. This was a great interview. Two hours and 30 minutes of talking with him. Friggin' long, but I loved it. Uh, some of my favorite parts that I wrote down were he talked about working with Bill Murray in Kingpin. Bill Murray, for me, is my favorite actor, period. Probably on this globe. It'd be a, it'd be a close tie between Chris Hardwick and Bill Murray for, for dudes I just want to friggin' hang out with, man and think you'd have a good time. Uh, he says that Bill Murray is nice to everyone with the exception of, like, suits, people who work for the, uh, the studios. He says he does not suffer fools and that he once saw Bill Murray tell a little girl that she was an asshole. <laughs> uh, now, he also wanted to specify when he said this that the little girl was being an asshole. So he wouldn't just say this to, if it wasn't true. But he, that being said, he didn't have sort of a filter that would cause him not to call the little girl an asshole, even if she was. He told, uh, Peter Farley told this story, told a story about his encounter with a UFO. And 
uh, he is convinced 100% that he saw a UFO. And the way he told the story, and it seems like a story he's told many times before, was uh, was pretty goddamn believable, man. Uh, just for that story alone is, is a reason to watch this episode or listen. Uh, that's another good thing about Kevin Pollock's chat show. You can watch these on YouTube, or you can listen to them on iTunes, or on his site. Uh, I'm at work. Oh, wait, I have one final little note. Oh, uh, it was about Dumb and Dumber. So, uh, but I don't have time. Let's just say it's dumb and dumber of me to run out of time like that. Hmm. I will say, though, it is... I'll be back in eight hours with more. Mm-hmm. Also, love you, dearies. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back. We are back. We are back. Back. We are back. Back in action. Hello again. Eight hours of work completed. Working robot powering down. So sad. So sad when those those robots power down. Gets me every time. Right in the cockles. Okay, let's, why don't I's, jump right back in to Fry Internet Days. Day, not plural. I can't think of a reason, and if you have thought of a reason, I cannot hear you. So, I'm going to move on. Whoa, buddy. Uh, I thought someone was just about to kill me there. But they, they stopped at the stop sign. And I am alive. Yay. Life. Item the third is a couple of TED Talks. Because within the Liberal Cube, we love TED Talks. Do we not? Question asked. Yes. And answered. Yes. Hmm. So, TED Talk the first was, um... TED Talk the first was called How Books Can Open Your Mind. And that is not... Of course, in the literal sense, books will not cut open your skull and feast on your brain. No, that will not happen. Or, very, very unlikely, it will happen. They do say, however, that for every possibility that does exist, uh, there exists a universe in which it does take place. So somewhere, possibly out there, exists a universe in which cannibalistic, I guess it wouldn't be cannibalistic, humanalistic, human-eating-alistic books exist. Huh? Think about that. Uh, the woman doing this talk, I did not write down her name, was from China, and I'm not sure if I knew this or not. I think I may have that. No, no, I did know this. Yeah, within China... There are banned books, which sickens me that that exists, especially in a country with the largest population. You want those people over there reading, do you not? Yes, you do. Get them reading, no matter what they want to read. A lot of things apparently banned over there in China, though. Uh, so her talk sort of started out with how when she came to, I guess it was America in her case... The first thing she did, and I like this about her, was grabbed all the books that were banned in China and read them. Let's see, two I remember were, one was The Good Earth, which I believe I did read. Pretty sure I did read. And uh, another was The Bible, which I didn't know that was banned over there. Which I 
kind of read. I listened to the book on tape, although not on tape, and uh, I could not finish it. I just reached a point, and this was actually, funnily, or strangely enough, right before I started the podcast. I was trying to work my way through the book on tape version of the Bible, and just couldn't do it. It was just so ridiculous, and it was it was making me angry, literally driving to and from work, listening to it, and it was making me angry. So, <laughs> I decided to stop doing that to myself, despite the fact that I think it is a good thing for atheists to know, to at least know things about the Bible. Like, I, I, I bet, and I don't think it's too surprising, that people who are sort of strongly atheistic will quite often know more about the Bible than people who are religious. Huh. Which doesn't say much for religion, that uh, people who know more of it, or quite often those who don't believe in it. I think it is perhaps a joke by a joke by Pendulat goes something along the lines of the fastest, oh shit, accident, just ran over some debris from an accident. Uh, his joke is something along the lines of if you want to turn a theist into an atheist, the quickest way to do so is to give him a copy of the Bible. Just because it's so ridiculous. Uh, I got a little sidetracked there. Well, just on that subject, she, this girl doing this TED Talk, sort of said and hinted at that the Bible would be a whole other TED Talk. Yeah. <laughs> so, you can't blame me for getting a little uh, little off track there. She was tempted to do so, I think. Uh, so that was one point she made, and how it sort of opened her mind and created different thoughts that had never existed in her brain by reading these books she was not allowed to read. Very much like that thought. Another thing she pointed out, which was very, very smart, and I'm not sure if it's anything I've ever done, was uh, something she called comparative reading. So uh, by that she meant, and sort of a good example, was to read about a historical event from two different people's viewpoints. I think all the examples she gave were... I think they would only kind of work for nonfiction, which I don't read basically any or very, very, very little in the way of nonfiction. It just doesn't, uh, just doesn't do it for me. The reason I read is to escape from reality, so reading about reality uh, doesn't make sense. To me's. Huh? Nah. Uh, that being said, I can see if, if my grandfather is any indication that the older I get, the more likely it will be that I will develop a taste for nonfiction. So, maybe one day, but not yet. Okay, let's move on to TED Talk number 2, in which a man spoke about bringing back the woolly mammoth. What? Yes. We are, because of our ability to map genomes, I, and I'm using the species we, we as a species, have the ability to map genomes, uh, the possibility exists that without, within a not very long period of time, we could potentially bring back the woolly mammoth, an extinct species. That just opens up <laughs> so much, like so incredibly much, a kettle of fish, even, I guess you could say. Uh, how it is done, and I am not a scientist, despite my love of science, 
Um, let me see how accurate I can explain this. Uh, basically, because we have found um, remains of woolly mammoths that are fairly, considering their age, fairly intact, uh, we have been able to extract DNA, actual DNA of woolly mammoths does exist, and we do have it within our possession. So that right there is kind of cool. You, you can stop the story there, and I'd be pretty amazed. However, because we have this DNA, we can um, sequence its genomes. What that means exactly, I don't think I can explain. Uh, or fully, no. <laughs> Which is why I can't explain. Basically, it is we can puzzle out. No. We can read. Mm, no. We can view with on, within a computer what makes up the DNA and the sequences of it. Sure. Yeah. Why not? That's uh, probably... Well, no. That is definitely not accurate. But for our purposes here, it will do. So then with that information, and this is the part that I don't quite get, we inject within a living elephant, um, a female elephant's egg, this genetic, this genetically engineered material? Hmm? Or is it more accurately that we mess with a fertilized, yeah, maybe, maybe that's more accurate. We, we have a fertilized, elephant egg and then uh, mess with its genetic structure so that when it comes out, when it is birthed, it will be a woolly mammoth. Now, they did point out it won't be an exact genetic match to a woolly mammoth, but it will have all the sort of outward appearances of a woolly mammoth. So, what the fuck? <laughs> I am wondering if I, who am 30... Oh, God. 32? 31. Uh, 32, I think. Uh, let's just say 32, sure, for the sake of argument. Uh, 32 years old in the year 2013, if, within my lifetime, I will witness a living woolly mammoth. I gotta say that the, the possibility exists, I think, and that is sort of mind-blowing. Okay, so let's move on from that to my final item, which is a podcast. Yeah, love a little podcast action on a Friday internet day in the liberal cube. Do we not? We do. It is Penn's Sunday School. Of course, we are referring to Penn Gillette of the comedy magic duo Penn and Teller, who just, why do I think this morning that I mentioned that... It is my third year anniversary of being married to the missus coming up this weekend. I think I mentioned that. Why do I think I mentioned that? I don't know. Maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. doesn't matter. The reason I bring it up is because on our honeymoon, we went to Vegas, baby, and uh, actually got to see Penn and Teller live. So that was a little slice of awesomeness. Uh, from that point on, sort of started to quote-unquote follow Mr. Penn Gillette, because I didn't really know him for things other than uh, his magic and his appearance on Lois and Clark's Superman. <laughs> uh, other than that, or in Battlestar Galactica. No, not Battlestar. Um, what was he on? Uh, Babylon 5 did an episode of that, too, if I do recall. 
Anyways, then I sort of learned that he was a big-time atheist. Like, hugely. Like, more so than I even. And uh, then I, from that point on, I sort of followed everything he did, including his Celebrity Apprentice, although I didn't watch the most recent one. I should maybe specify. Although I did hear he came in second, so good for him. He doesn't, uh, I guess as you would describe it, play the game, quote-unquote. He just kind of goes in there and is himself and does does what he would do in everyday life and doesn't sort of play the reality show games, I think, that other people do. That's my, my reality show opinion of him. So, uh, on this episode of his podcast, which, uh, from the sense of it, he did years ago, either in podcast form or radio form, and has brought back not too, too long ago. I think, actually, around the time I started this podcast, he restarted his. Yeah, kind of, kind of in that time frame. He had on Bobby Slayton. Yeah. Bobby Slayton, a standing-up comedian, as Jimmy Pardo would say. Uh, I have, I just want to preface this, me talking of Bobby Slayton, never seen any of his stand-up comedy. Now, I also want to say, he is very, very funny. Uh, the reason I know this is from podcasts, really. That's kind of the only place I've seen him, I think. Uh, starting with Kevin Pollock's chat show, which we talked about this morning, actually, <laughs> oddly enough. Saw him on that, and then sort of uh, developed an appreciation of his humor, because uh, this has come up quite often that you can tell when someone is funny, or or the, I don't know if this is a universal thing, but but I can always tell when someone is funny when they sit down and talk with another funny person. It's sort of within the first ten minutes, it is maybe even last blatantly obvious if they are funny or not. Funny and smart, because those quite often uh, on these podcasts seem to go hand in hand. Like, if you are funny and dumb, um, yeah, it's not a... It's, it's rare. Uh, I don't know if it exists, actually. You can be funny and dumb. You can be funny and act dumb, but I don't think you can be funny and actually dumb. Yeah. I'm trying to think of an example. I'll tell you what you do. If you can think of someone who is funny and dumb, you can email me to the address provided in the closing credits, or you can tweet at me. I am Jordan underscore Maywood on the Twitter. Uh, so Bobby Slayton, stand-up comedian, started uh, way back in the 70s. I guess for him it's not way back. For me it is way back, before I was born even. It has kind of that old Vegas stand-up comedian vibe about him. Now, that being said, I don't necessarily think that old Vegas stand-up comedian jokes and routine are funny, but I think he has moved over the years into other sort of more, uh, I don't know, let's just say up-to-date uh, humors, because uh, I have heard many stand-up comedians talk favorably of his comedy, and I don't think if he was doing the same old jokes he was back in the 70s, in Vegas, he would still be thought of as a good comedian. So, um, I think he's funny from what other people say. I think he's funny from listening to interviews with him. I don't know if he is funny from the stand-up. Ooh, Chihuahua. Sexy mama. <sighs> I, uh, have a very, very rural drive to and from work and basically never see pedestrians, but I just did. My God, she was not... Too bad looking. 
Oh, uh, much like, hey, that makes sense. Much like, apparently, Bobby Slayton's daughter is. <laughs> they got into that a little bit, which is a little awkward. Uh, apparently, she is uh, one of the newest pussycat dolls in that band of the same name. So, that's something. I uh, had a little Google at her, and I can confirm, she is good-looking. Just to round out this podcast, why don't I round out with sort of one of the topics they touched on. It was a sort of, it was interesting to see these two together, Bobby Slayton and Pendulette, because both work in basically the same industry. They're both living and working in Vegas and entertainering. Entertainering? Yeah, they're very, they're entertainering people. Pendulette has said on so many occasions that it's kind of getting a little, I don't want to say annoying, but maybe it is a little bit, uh, that a drop of booze has never touched his lips. He's never done any drugs whatsoever. Uh, whereas Bobby Slayton, on the other hand, talked about how he drinks basically before every show, makes him funnier, does cocaine, recently quit cocaine, I should say. So it was like two sides of a coin in this episode. I am more leaning towards Bobby Slayton just because, and <laughs> maybe let me preface that, I don't do drugs, um, often. The odd, odd time, maybe a little bit, allegedly, of the weed. Hmm. I used to drink every single weekend. The doctor said, don't do that. So I now only drink once a month. Uh, but the reason I sort of lean towards Bobby Slayton's side of things, his way of thinking as far as booze and drugs not being necessarily, maybe underlined necessarily, a bad thing is that Pendulette, who has never tried booze or drugs, uh, I don't think can have an opinion on them one way or the other. I don't think that's fair to have an opinion on something you haven't tried. Now, other side of that coin, he can see what booze and drugs have done negatively to people around him and then make judgments from that. However, um... <laughs> I kind of just screwed my own point there, didn't I? Oh, well, I'm at home. So, something we like to do in the Liberal Cube is give out many, many points and let you decide what is right. Yeah, yeah, that's what I did there on purpose, totally. Folks, it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. This has been another edition of the Lackadaisical Liberal Cubicle Wrist. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address, mailwood.jordan at gmail.com. And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. No, something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway. Wait till our lips have met. Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine The best is yet to come Come the day you're mine Live long and prosper